Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, how about those peacocks? <laughs> and, uh, and what does Coach Holloway say? And I'm quoting here. These kids just love to play basketball and to have fun. Now, friends, I got to tell you, that's a memorable coaching philosophy. It's something to literally write down and keep close to your heart if you're a coach. I mean, this is some special run, some special team, and really just a very special coach and how he gets these kids to play as one very cohesive unit. And, of course, we're all looking forward to St. Peter's in the game today against UNC. Okay, I want to do something a little different this morning, and quite frankly, it involves you. In recent months, we have covered a huge range of stories regarding youth and amateur sports in this country. There's been a real depth and seriousness about these issues. In fact, it's been extraordinary and at times really mind-boggling as to what we've talked about. It's very clear that the last few years have presented all sorts of new controversies and decision points that parents, coaches, and athletes have never had to really think about much before. And I'll tell you, I received a lot of feedback already this past week on Twitter as to what, the, what these pressing issues are. And I'll give you a quick rundown. And I do want to hear from you this morning to see what you think about what you feel is the biggest issue of them all. I mean, we've talked about the, the growing lack of spectator civility at high school sporting events to college athletes, but even uh, high school athletes who can now sign NIL deals for as much money as they can to the ongoing concerns of college coaches who, for some reason, continue to behave poorly and treat their athletes in, quite frankly, disgraceful and disrespectful ways, to sports parents who, who feel that they are somehow entitled to try and intervene on behalf of their athletes with high school coaches, to concerns about travel and club programs who, who still are not overseen by any kind of governmental body, to club and travel coaches who, unfortunately, tend to dismiss the the high school coaches, as if somehow they were irrelevant, as well as those club coaches who give kids false hopes about somehow making it to the next level to play sports. Then there's the ongoing concern that only the elite athletes 
are catered to at the youth level in this country, which unfortunately pushes out all the average athletes who just want to keep playing the game because they love it. There are continuing concerns about pay-to-play in this country. And, of course, there's the rising concern that too many game officials and umpires are simply walking away and no longer working the kids' games due to because of the impact of pushy coaches and obnoxious parents. And there's the the growing popularity of video gaming uh, in this country, while sports like baseball unfortunately continue to decline in popularity with our kids. Then there's the, the national angst about what to do regarding trans athletes, such as why do so many parents feel it's wrong for a a transgender female to be allowed to compete against a natural-born female athlete? And, of course, how our kids and coaches and parents have had to scramble and endure during the COVID crisis over the last couple of years, including the cancellation of full seasons or moving seasons out out of the usual rotation, and everything else we had to do to allow our kids to continue to play sports. Now, friends, this is just a small sampling of the topics we've discussed on this show. And to that end, I thought that in this morning's show, I really want to directly ask you what you feel is the biggest and largest and most pressing concern or worry when it comes to youth and amateur sports in our society today. In other words, I want to do a quick survey. I want to get your thoughts and feedback, get your, get your feelings of what we really need to focus on so that the next generation of athletes really do grow up in a world of solid principles when it comes to playing and enjoying sports. 877-337-6666, that's our number, of course. And then later on, if we have time, I also want to talk briefly about the legacy of Coach Mike Krzyzewski and why... I'm sad that he's going to step down this year. And I had the, I will tell you, I had the distinct pleasure to get to know Mike Shashevsky uh, a bit over the years when I was fortunate enough to have edited uh, three of his books. And to that end, I want to share some personal observations with you about him. I mean, you already know about his spectacular overall winning record at Duke and all his national championships, but... Mike was a humble kid who grew up in inner-city Chicago. And let's face it, he's come to personify all the right things about being a top college coach. And then, (laughs) speaking of personal stories, I also want to share my own true story of when I went back to play minor league baseball when I was 38 years old. This happened back in 1989. And if you haven't heard this tale, I can assure you that it's absolutely true and that it has a wonderful surprise ending. But that's later on. First up, let's get into this this sort of impromptu survey, which I think couldn't be more timely. I want to find out from you. Let me know what you feel is our biggest concern or worry when it comes to the state of youth and amateur sports in the United States. 877-337-6666. When I come back, I'll go right to your calls. Let's get it on. All promotions are subject to qualifications and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit, which expires seven days from issuance. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager and physically present in New York only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. 
The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, play WFAN. That's right, back on the sports edge. And yeah, St. Peter's, they're still standing. (laughs) Uh, Okay, we're doing a survey this morning of the biggest and most pressing issues in sports parenting and youth and amateur sports. And I'm very eager to get your thoughts and comments about this. And of course, you know our number at 877-337-6666. Look, I'm well aware that we live in fluid times where where many of the so-called uh, old-school traditions in sports uh, and sports parenting, you know, they're being challenged and, and change more than ever before. And the ultimate question, at least to me, is which, which of these monumental changes should we be most concerned with as we look ahead and move into the future? Uh, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts because this involves all of us. It's as simple as that. Let's let's start with our calls this morning. Let's go to uh, let's go to Ralph in Manhattan. Hey, Ralph. Good morning. Eager to get your thoughts about this. Rick, I, Rick, here we are. Here yes, we are, sir. Rick. I, I I will tell you the the one thing if I had to put my finger on it is parents, please start acting as parents and not like some sort of a promoter for your child and stop living vicariously through that child because, and this is a generality, Rick. This is, I mean, there are many good parents. Probably the multitude are, are perfectly fine. But when you get a few that are really uh, living their dreams through that child, when they see that 10-year-old, that 12-year-old as something they're not, they're overestimating their ability they're actually talking uh, for themselves, in a sense. They, they couldn't do what this child, what they see this child could possibly do. So they want, their, they want to do their best to have this child succeed so they can feel fulfilled. And I think that goes on far too often. Well, you know, Ralph, that's, that is a theme, as you know, has been around a long time uh, in the world of, of youth sports, of the parent living vicariously through their child in the hopes that somehow they are going to see their own uh, frustrations uh, from their own childhood as athletes uh, somehow are, I don't know, resolved or pushed off to the side, or maybe they're going to figure out a way that their own kid can overcome the limits, the athletic limits of, of, the, uh, of the parent. Um, that is still a major concern. I think, though, and I, I'm, I'm curious as to whether you agree with me about this, as to the fact that parents today have become even more, um, for lack of a better word, more creative in terms of how mm-hmm. to promote and market their child and to make sure that the, the coach uh, understands just how, quote-unquote, their talented uh, their kid is. I mean, this is, well, this is where we are today. The very, the very fact that you use the word promote and market when referring to a child and a parent relationship that, that, that speaks volumes. You, you know, when, when you, when I, well, again, you know, I sound like an old guy, but when I played back in the year one, my <laughs> father would stand far removed from everybody, never stuck his nose in the coach's business just because he didn't want to embarrass me. In those days, it was an embarrassment for your, your parent, uh, your father, to stick his nose into your business. You know, when you used to just drop, uh, you'd ask your parent to drop you off, a couple of blocks before before the field, so you could walk <laughs> to the field yourself. That that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. But now, 
I think that the the, uh, the kid sometimes feels that if the, if the parent does not intervene, they're somehow not doing the job. They're not doing what the other parent is doing. I think and, that occurs, too. And I think along those lines that uh, there is a psychology involved here of if if one parent who has feels uh, as you do and as I do that, no, the, the parent should be at the games and be supportive but be somewhat invisible in terms of, you know, just just don't get involved. But if one parent sees another parent somehow uh, meddling, intervening, getting involved, doing something to promote their own kid with the coach, then that that parent's going to say, you know what, if I don't get involved as well, then it's then my kid's going to end up suffering, whether it means getting less playing time or, or less accolades, whatever it might be. So it's like a... Um, sort of a keeping up with the Joneses mentality, and it begins to snowball so that every parent feels like, yeah, i, I got to make sure that my kid is well represented to the coach to make sure that he or she gets the uh, attention that, that they they should get. That's, that's well, the parent concern. is involved for the very fact that he shows interest. He he, elect, you know, he drives the, the kid to the, to the ball field. He, he participates up to a point. He's doing his job. She or the mother is doing her job. I, you know, anything uh, far, further is is uh, pretty much taking away from the the joy the kid's going to have in just playing that sport because they start to feel so much pressure to do well when this participation may be just enough. Yeah, uh, it's 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 something that is. Um... Again, this is again one of the, one of the sea changes we've talked about is the fact that the the parents today just don't seem to have the ability or the wherewithal or whatever you want to call it to sort of stay back and let the kid go out and do their own thing and put some trust into the youngster and some trust into the coaching staff to let them go out and and work with the kids. It's it's very. I, I don't know what the solution is, Ralph. I do know it's there, and it seems to be, uh, unfortunately, we still hear all these stories of parents uh, who are out of control. And, and that's that's a real, real major concern. And, and I will tell you, from the Twitter feedback, I got a lot of people saying the same thing, that the parents still are out of control. And um, we still are looking for ways to to sort of bring them back to uh, becoming adults and to be grown-ups and to act like adults at their kids' games. But it's it's really, really hard. Ralph, thank you. Let me get to my other calls. Appreciate your thoughts this morning. Let's move on. Let's go to um, let's go to uh, Rob over in, uh, in New Jersey. Rob, uh, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, how are you, Rick? How you doing? Good. How are you, Rob? Good morning. Good morning. Hey, listen, my son went to Bergen Catholic, and he knows uh, he's good. He was, uh, he was in uh, gym class with Doug Eddard. And uh, go Peacocks tonight. It's an amazing story. <laughs> it is an amazing and story. My son was blessed to be on the football team at the 2018 state championship with Coach Nunzio Campanelle, mm-hmm. Coach Greg Cole, and Coach Fred Stangle. You're mm-hmm. talking about, like, the Mount Rushmore of coaches. And my son has learned so much from that. He just graduated college in three and a half years. He played a little D3 football, but he took the work ethic the teamwork, the determination, and the toughness, the mental toughness, and now he's doing that every day of his life. So there is so many positive things that can come out of sports. And I was always there as a parent. I just heard the last guy's voice, and it used to drive me crazy with some of these parents going absolutely, like, thinking that their kid is going to be the next Joe Montana or the next Tom Brady. Hey, you have to let the kids have fun. 
And when it's not fun, they should be done with the sport. And there's too much pressure on the kids from some of these parents because they're just all vying for these, you know, scholarships. And, you know, they're touring colleges in seventh and eighth grade and trying to get offers. It's absolutely insane. But what my son learned from Burton Catholic, and you could see it in the skid at its face, is they play as a team. They play for each other. They bleed for each other. And that's what I think is important about sports. And, you know, with all the things talking about football and concussions, and this, there are so many positive things that come out of a sport like football when you're at a high level. You know, some of these coaches today are just, and I think the public schools too, because the parents are like running the show there. It just, it just doesn't seem like the kids are tough enough like when we were growing up. Well, you know, Robbie, take it off, let's go. I you, mean, you, I'm you, 60 you, years old, and I remember, yeah. you know, I wrestled in high school. You just, you got to shake it off and do your thing. And um, Well, you're talking about a lot of different lessons here, and I think that that's the major takeaway that we all want for our kids who play sports. For example, as you mentioned, learning how to overcome adversity, uh, learning from the coaches about the, the basic principles of, of team play and sportsmanship and working together towards a common goal. These, as we know, are the intangibles that we want all of our kids who play sports to really, you know, really get from that experience. And, and uh, yeah, the, the problem is we put up all these kinds of unintended pressures. Uh, we, we know that um, there's more and more focus these days on the kids trying to compete at, at, a, at a higher level. Um, you know, and it's not, you wonder if that really is a right lesson we want to impart to our kids. Because unfortunately, when you put that kind of pressure on these kids, Robin, I'm sure you feel this way, you you're then begin to sort of subtract the the, the the pleasure and fun that these kids have from playing sports. And maybe maybe that's the overall takeaway lesson from the St. Peter's team, is that these kids are scrappy, they're, they're street kids, they're, they're, they're kids who just really enjoy playing the game of basketball, which is what Holloway has said. And, you know, that's, this is fun for them. Uh, they're not necessarily. I'm sure they have dreams of going on, maybe playing, getting a shot, perhaps at the professional level. But for the most part, these kids know that this is this is it. This is where they. This is going to be the peak of their career, and they become sort of national national heroes because of those simple reasons. These are like Eddard and the rest of them. They're all kids who just want to play game because they want to play the game for all the right reasons. And and uh, Rob, I, I hear you loud and clear on this because I, I, I do think uh, that's something that parents really need to understand that, yeah, I mean, it's, and Rob, thank, thank you for the call this morning. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, there was a time when I was growing up that, yeah, we all had dreams and maybe go on someday, you know, who knows, play pro ball. But the fact is, when I was a kid, you, you, dream, you didn't even think about playing pro ball or even college ball until maybe your, your, maybe your junior year or, or senior year in high school. I mean, but nowadays it's all sort of out of whack. It's just become this constant grind on the kids that's saying you've got to get to the next level. You've got to play at a higher level. You gotta, what, about, what about just having fun and enjoying the, the experience? That's what I'm concerned about. Uh, let's move on. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to Dennis in Little Silver. Hey, Dennis, uh, good morning. You're on the fan. Well, good morning, Rick. Um, Rick, I've called the, the, the show in previous years, and I'm very pro-parent, um, especially at the below high school level, where without parents, there is no game. Um, 
But you just touched on some of my thoughts Mm -hmm. in that the kids today are always preparing for a next level, be it seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, they're preparing to be nine. uh, The Little League field is going to be a 50-70 field and Mm -hmm. then a 60-90 field. How about just enjoy today's ball game? (laughs) The weather is beautiful. The sun is out. Grandma and Grandpa are, are somewhere drifting around the outfield. And just enjoy today. We don't have to always be preparing ourselves as coaches and our kids as players for a next level. Today is a beautiful day. And I, I, that's really just what I wanted to say. They, the kids practice. They, they, they don't know what level they're on. They don't know if it's travel or rec in a lot of cases. And, and really, should any game be demeaned? Uh, should, coaches will come to me and say, oh, Dennis, this is just a rec game. I said, what do you mean it's just a rec game? Their uniforms look great. They're, they're smiling. They're happy. It's a ball game. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the day. <laughs> That's really all I had to well, say, Rick. But it's, uh, Dennis, I got to tell you, it's a very important point. I mean, we hear things all the time like, you know, seize the moment, uh, carpe diem, and so on and so forth. And that's what we're talking about here. And why, as you said, so many parents today are so focused that, like, you know, get to the next level. That's, what does this mean in terms of the next uh, travel program, the next club team? How do we do No. Why don't you let your kid go out there and just enjoy the moment of, of as you say, it's a nice, sun, sunny, warm day or a nice game. Let them, have, let them soak it in because that is the kind of positive uh, memory you want them to have, you know, down the road. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. I mean, and, and again, th- thanks, Dennis, for the call. You know, the fact is, if you want your youngster to go on to compete the following season in, in their sports, well, it's going to be sort of a incumbent that they enjoy this year in that sport. Otherwise, they might come back and say, you know what, I'm not sure I, I want to do that, play that sport again next year. So they ha- you got to Again, act the role of the, uh, the of the adult and put it all in perspective. And just said, as as you know, as Dennis said, take a deep breath, look around, see your son or daughter's having a good time, and have a smile on your face, and see if they're smiling as well. And that's that's what we really want for our kids when it comes to youth sports. Uh, let's let's uh, move on. Let's go to Tom in New Rochelle. Tom, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Tom, are you there? Tom? Hey, Rick. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yes, Tom. Yeah, Tom from Mount St. Michael. How are you? Yes, Tom. How are you? Good. Great segment today. I just want to throw in, there are two terrific videos out on, on college coaches talking about parents coming in to just watch, they, watch their son play or daughter play. Mm-hmm. Frank Martin, who just got the job at University of Massachusetts actually two days ago, he was fired down in South Carolina. Right. He's got a four-minute video on YouTube about going to watch his son's play. Mm-hmm. And he's talking from a standpoint of he's a college coach, but when he's going to watch his kids play, he's a parent. And he goes on to say, when I go to watch, I don't say boo. Right. I just watch. There's another one that Mike Bray put out when he's recruiting a player. He keeps an eye on what the parents and how they're acting at games. He said that is a big 
a big move on his end as to whether or not he does end up recruiting or, you know, giving that player a scholarship. I think every parent should watch these videos. They're both about two or three minutes long. Frank Martin from South Carolina and Mike Gray from Notre Dame, they really give great explanations on how parents should act at games. Just go watch well, their kids play. Tom, I'm glad and, you mentioned uh, I've I've seen the Frank Martin video, and it's, as you said, uh, it's, it's, it's so good. It's, it's so spot good on. It's so on point. And, and I have not seen the Coach Bray from Notre Dame, his video, but I, I, judging what you, way you describe it, I will tell you, in my own uh, years of, of recruiting ballplayers, uh, I can assure you that a big component uh, of that checklist is keeping an eye of how the kids' parents behave at the kids' games. Because absolutely, every college coach in America today knows you don't, you may have a kid who's great talent and has tremendous potential, but you look at the parents and how the parents interact at the games that the kid plays, and you're going to say, I. I may think twice about whether or not I want to basically have to deal with this uh, this mom and dad for the next four years. And I will tell you, that is a real concern for, for coaches today. And I mean, this is not a new thing. It's it's out there. I mean, people know this. Coaches know this. And co- parents, you <laughs> if you really do think your kid is going to be a top recruit, you would better uh, you know take a, a hint from Coach Bray's video and say, I got to behave myself so that the recruiting coaches realize that I got my priorities order when it comes to watch my kid play. And um, you know you watching the uh, March Madness and some of the the camera shots of the parents in the stands. You know, you get a sense of how some of these parents react, and some are sort of over the top, and some are more, more let's say, more sedate. It's it's a real concern, and I think that's something that, as I said, college coaches they're very much aware of. What, that's why you have like Coach Bray and Coach uh, Martin making these videos. Simple as that. Tom, thanks for the call. Let me move on. Let's go to um. Let's go to Ed Ward over in Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. I got plenty of stories, but I will. I know it's only short time, but let's go Peacock today. I'd like to see him in the Final Four. Yep. But I, I, I want to bring up two points uh, pertaining to parents. Yes. And not only that, the shortage of officials. Uh, parents, I was at a scrimmage the other day uh, watch, watching a, a game, and a kid's pitching, and there's a father in the background acting like a real, I can't repeat the word. <laughs> he's, he's going over the kid's mechanics. He's critiquing the kid in the, in the middle of the game and all that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's getting all over the umpire. Not only that, the umpire stops the game and tells the parent, Sir, would you like me to come back here and up the game? Obviously, you could see better back here. <laughs> so, now... Guy shuts up, and uh, now his son is, I guess, after he gets pitches, his, he picks like two or three innings. I guess the coach had him do some running, you know, to get, you know, for his legs and all that stuff. Right. The father got him outside the dugout, working with him on his mechanics. I mean, I, and, and here's a kid who I know is going to a D3 school on that. But another thing, Rick, why is there a shorter of officials? It's very simple. The parents. Parents have ruined everything. I met a couple of friends of mine when I used to umpire, and I resigned three years ago due to some health things. Um, they're, they're, one guy has a short 10 umpires for opening day next, this upcoming Friday in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. A lot of the guys don't want to up anymore because, because of the parents. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sure it, of it. It's, it's getting out of control on that. So uh, 
and parents, you got to understand. And I, I love the one point that they said with the, with Frank Martin and all that stuff uh, with the parents. When I used to coach college, it was the same thing. I used to watch how the parents act, and then after a game, if I was going to talk to the kid, I, sometimes I would say, "Son, you're a good ball player, but guess what? Unfortunately, I'm not recruiting you because of the way your parents act." You got to tell it like it is. Sometimes when people don't tell it like it is, they feel they can get away with more and more and more. You tell it like it is, you never know. It, it may make parents' attitudes change. Yeah, you know, I, um, yeah, it, unfortunately, it, it is, as I said before, it, uh, it, it is a reality. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, let me just address two of the issues you just mentioned. One, of course, there is no question. Uh, I mean, in terms about the number, uh, the, 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 decline, uh, the shrinking numbers of officials who want to work high school uh, you know, games because it's really, it's almost universal. They, they say it's because they don't like being basically pestered and heckled by parents or even pushy coaches. Uh, and after a while, after two or three years of working these games, the officials say, I, I don't, this isn't fun. This is not what I signed up to do. Uh, I'm being more uh, victimized than I should be because I'm just trying to, to work and, and hopefully, uh, you know, work some, some high school games on behalf of these athletes. So the, 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 the referees and officials just continue to decline in number. That is a real concern. It's directly attributable to the parents and, as I said, sometimes coaches who lose their uh, you know, adult perspective on, on working, uh, you know, coaching kids in these competitive games. That's a real concern. Uh, and the other thing is, is, as we talked about, parents, if you really do want your kid to be recruited, you've got to look in the mirror and see, how am I behaving at my kids' games? Because that's actually going to scare away college coaches if they see that I'm really out of control and being obnoxious at my kids' uh, kids sporting events. And as Ed's point, and we heard from earlier people as well, that is a real real concern. So, you know, again, a lot of this falls on the parents because quite frankly, that, that they've been the sort of the major variable, the major, uh, you know, tipping point when it comes to youth sports and amateur sports in this country and the way they behave at our kids, uh, our kids sporting events. And it's ironic because the moms and dads so desperately want their kids to succeed and get to the next level and maybe get a scholarship and who knows what. But if you're out of control and you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing, uh, in effect, basically uh, overriding the kid's coach and what the coach is telling the kid to do uh, in terms of their, their play on the field or on the court or on the ice, you know, that's not a good thing. I mean, you have to sort of, again, keep this all in perspective because, honestly, it's, it's just another one of these issues that we're dealing with here. And, again, we're, we're getting some great calls about these topics because quite frankly the time has come to really sort of try to set the uh, set things straight and to be honest about you know what's going to happen next because again we're going to you may find ourselves in a situation where more and more kids say this is too much pressure there's no fun playing the so-called traditional sports i'm just going to go and do video games with my buddies and friends and uh, i'll never have to deal with, with parents ever again in terms of, of playing sports it sounds like it's perhaps just um you know, a bit over the top, but I'm telling you, this is this is the feedback I'm getting from coaches and, and from officials and administrators and educators about kids and sports. All right, let me, I want to continue our conversation about this. Obviously, I want you to call in at 877-337-6666, but before we get to a break, I just want to give you a quick story, because quite frankly, this is, this is meaningful to me. One of my, my coaching heroes in life has been Mike Krzyzewski. And to me, and I realize this is just a, a personal opinion, but 
he's one of those few coaches over the years who has won, and let's face it, won consistently, uh, and he does so by being a good guy who truly looks out for the best interest of his players. Now, look, in this day and age, where there are regular headlines about college coaches being accused of making underhanded payments to players and their representatives, or they're looking the other way when it comes to recruiting players, I just look upon Coach K and what he stands for as being, well, unique and, and noteworthy. Yeah, and of course, look, I know he has some critics. All coaches do. But to me, Mike Krzyzewski is a man of principle and who's all about doing the right thing. And that's, that's apparently just how he was raised by his parents and from what he learned from his undergraduate days at West Point. He's not about making alibis or making excuses. Coach K is all about being held accountable. And that's the essential life takeaway, as I fear, is often overlooked too often in this day and age of sports. One of my favorite stories about Coach K comes from his book, which was a major New York Times bestseller a few years ago, Leading with the Heart. In that book, he writes about a lesson he learned the hard way when he was a first-year student, a plebe, at West Point, where early in his first year, he and his roommate had to dress out in full uniform in order to be inspected by an upperclassman. And the uniforms had to be spotless. But the story goes, on the way to the parade grounds, Mike's roommate, uh, who was joining him into, into the parade grounds, Mike's roommate stepped into a puddle, accidentally splashed some mud onto Mike's polished shoes. And Krzyzewski didn't have any time to do anything about it. So the upperclassmen, of course, in an inspection, saw the droplets of splashed mud and immediately ripped into K, Coach K for being so sloppy. Krzyzewski tried to defend himself to the upperclassmen, saying it was an unavoidable accident that was caused by his roommate. But <laughs> this defense only infuriated the upperclassmen even more, who went deeper into Coach K's face. Apparently, he looked at uh, Krzyzewski's nameplate, realized he couldn't pronounce Krzyzewski's name, and said, Look, Mr. Alphabet, your appearance in life is up to you. You and only you are fully accountable. No one is interested in your excuses. Learn that and learn that lesson now. Now, later on, Coach K, of course, was angry at his roommate and told him so when they got back to the dorms. But upon reflection, Krzyzewski began to realize that being part of the Army team really does mean taking full responsibility, regardless of whose fault it is. Being a team member means learning how to accept accountability. Now, I got to tell you, stories like that from Mike Krzyzewski's past really made a lasting impression upon me. Okay, let me take a time out. When I return, we'll go back to our survey, 877-337-6666. Home of Tiki and Tierney, 10 to 2. Nobody's disputing that Robinson Cano was a terrific player, yeah. but he doesn't transcend the way Judge does. The Fan 101. Still talking about our survey this morning, 877-337-6666. Had some great, great uh, calls and opinions so far. And, uh, yeah, I encourage you to, to, to chime in. Uh, yeah, you definitely want to talk to uh, to Ed Arzuman, who answers the calls this morning for us. And everybody loves Ed, does a great job in, in talking to you as well. Uh, my thanks, as always, to Ed. Let's continue our calls. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Jack Smithlin over in Farallon. Coach, you guys have won six games in a row, I see, at the New Jersey City University softball. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's amazing. 
that we were one in nine down in Florida. I mean, we did get hit with a uh, virus bug down there, and it, it kind of like traveled from girl to girl. But um, And we come back and we win three doubleheader series in a row. I mean, you know, we're on a roll. And I'm gonna I'm gonna just relate a little bit to your your callers. Um, we're a happy team right now. I mean, you know, when you're winning, everybody's happy. Yes. But you know, one of the things that we have to understand when you talked about you know teaching and dealing with adversity is that most of the kids at the younger age don't know how to handle failure, and you know they think when you fail, you're a loser. And by all means, it's complete opposite. When you fail, you learn, and that, that's where your learning moments are, coaches. You know, just re, re, relating back to, to Ed Ward, you know, you know, he's absolutely right because one of the things that are on a lot of the questionnaires is what's your family background, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, where do you, you know, what are your, what's your setting? You know, but my suggestion to Ed next time if you want to actually teach the parents something and tell them the kid. Instead of telling the kid that you're not recruiting him because of his parents, tell the parents you're not recruiting your son because of you, you know, and see how they, and see how they take that. Seriously, see how they take that. Because there's a learning moment, you know. And, you know, talking, the, the things that bother me the most, you know, in dealing with kids is that even at the college level, they deal, they deal with failure in such a negative way. And people say, well, failing is negative, but it's not negative. You know, it's it's something that we have to teach our kids that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail because that's the way we grow. That's the way we, we, we learn is by failing and making mistakes and understanding let's not make those anymore. But I just did a, sem- a symposium this week, and I want the people to listen to this because this is amazing. The symposium was on all the topics that you talk about every single week, you know, dealing with adversity, you know, all the racial slurs. And, and that gets to me more than any other topic is because here we are, all human beings. You know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a strong believer there's only one race, mm-hmm. the human race. Right. And if we can't get that into our heads, we can't understand that right now there's countries at war could cause us to get into wars that if we start being good people, not understanding that battling and fighting and arguing with umpires is not the way to go, because parents, you're not going to deal, you're not going to correct the parents. You're going to have to correct them one at a time, because they're going to continue to do it. Until there is a reprimand or a consequence that hits them hard, and that's the way you deal with with those crazy parents in the stands, well, you know, dealing with coaches and, you know, you, you've lived this stuff, yeah, right? You know, you've lived it all. Jack, you talk about accountability, which I know is uh, at, at, obviously something that is, you feel very strongly about, and I, I of course, feel the same way. And until until we have that, that principle of accountability, and I was talking about Coach K before, I mean, yeah, we the best learning experience is to learn when you lose, um, and, and it's not about, about thinking you're a failure, as you said. It's more about, okay, what, what can I take away from this loss that will make me a better athlete, a, more, a better competitor? And, again, being, understanding that you, are, you have to be held accountable. Um, and, and that's, parents, that starts with you, and that's an important reason or important lesson you definitely want to, uh, you know, inculcate to your children as well. I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about. And, um, yeah, Jack. Let me let you go. I gotta get to. Uh, I gotta get to Rob Freed uh, over in Lake Success. Rob, uh, 
You got a couple of quick thoughts for me before we wrap you this know, up? I'll tell you something. First of all, what an incredible show. And, and I've missed you for the last few weeks. And, you know, obviously, I'm getting ready for the Boston Marathon. I've been to Florida and the New York City half last week. But I got to tell you something. Jack just stole pretty much a lot of my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's great because we, we think so much alike. Losing, Rick. You learn about disappointment, and, and it's healthy because when you learn, it's a life lesson. It's like not getting that job. The one thing I was thinking about all of this is, and my contribution, you know, I love your show so much because it's really about life lessons. Winning is great. It's always great to win because you feel good when you win. But you know what? Losing brings on, you know, disappointment. You don't get that job. You don't get that raise. One thing I will say about in, in my career, and listen, when you, I want to hear your story maybe next week, or you know, about you getting back to the minor leagues. To me, the fact that I got to participate, you know, had, had a college uh, athletic uh, time to compete at, at, at the college level, and still at it at, at this age, the thing going forward is we need, you know, parents have to understand it's all about the fun. The kids, sports is about life lessons, and I heard a lot of callers saying something like that earlier mm-hmm. in the show. Yep. We, you know, and, and that's the one thing I got out of it. Now, my daughter is an example. I want, I'm so proud of her. She was a, a high school swimmer, and you know what? She was a good swimmer, but she decided in undergrad, you know what? I want to work on academics, and it's not she, – she got out of her athletic uh, achievements in high school – to go the academic road, and she's getting she got into Columbia, and I'm ecstatic for her graduate school. So the point being, I'm saying is, sports are wonderful for life. You can use this going forward. Whatever you do on the sports world, whatever level, it teaches you about life, life, just life in general, and that's what my contribution is today. Rick, I can't wait till next week. I'm looking forward to it already. <laughs> Have yourself a good one. Hey, thanks so much, Rob. And I will tell you, just to echo those thoughts, and again, we've just sort of scratched the surface this morning about these topics, but uh, for those of you who listen to the show on a regular basis, you know these are real-life issues, real-life controversies, and, um, yeah, we, we have to do better, and we have to look deep into our souls and look in the mirror and say, as parents, are we doing, are we setting the right pace for our kids? Are, are we doing the right things? What are the important takeaway lessons? And we hear this over and over again this morning that it's all about life lessons and overcoming adversity and understanding the ups and downs of sports and, and how that transpires in, with our kids and making sure they understand terms like accountability and civility and respect for for one's coaches and one's opponents. These are critically important lessons that we want all our kids to to really learn from and benefit from. And it's it's the takeaways we always have said, well, they're the intangible of sports, but they are the important intangible of sports and and something that every kid who whoever gets introduced to a game or a competition really would benefit from, from having these kinds of lessons taught to them and reinforced to them. Now, Look, we're running out of time here, but I know I, I just want to follow up very quickly. I mentioned a, a couple of weeks ago about an unusual true story about yours truly. And if you're looking for a little fun and an entertaining uh, video piece, let me tell you about what happened to me for three days back in June 1989. 1989, you might recall, was when the classic movie Field of Dreams came out. And then I recall I was talking with an editor at Sports Illustrated about when I played ball in the minors and the long, boring bus rides and the the, the ups and downs of minor league games and how Field of Dreams and playing in the cornfields of Iowa was a very nice Hollywood story. But 
the reality was a lot different. In any event, the editor, uh, Vic Bouton, suggested that I should return to the Midwest League and write about the difficult days of being a minor league ball player. The only catch was that the Vic said I should return as an active player, not just as a, as a reporter. Now, I laughed and explained that at that time I was 38 years old. I hadn't played professionally in over well over 15 years. I wasn't close to being in any kind of playing shape, but Vic didn't care. If I wanted to write this column, that I needed to sign a contract uh, with a team in the Midwest League and play. So I called Al Goldis, the Hall of Fame scout and longtime friend, who heard what I wanted to do, and then he would talk to the general manager of the Chicago White Sox, Larry Himes. Amazingly, the South Bend White Sox had just won the first half of the Midwest League season that year, had about six games in hand before the second half of the season would begin. So Goldis told me that, that he would sign me for a three-day player contract, but also wanted to make, make it known to me that I wasn't going to be insured for any injury or even accidental death. I don't think he was kidding. Anyhow, I went back to uh, the Sports Illustrated editor, got the assignment, and uh, headed out to South Bend with my wife, Trish, and our two kids at the time, John and Alyssa. Samantha was still down the road in the future. So in any event, uh, I got out to the ballpark. I'm taking uh, batting practice. Uh, I have a chance to meet, of course, the South Bend White Sox manager, Rick Patterson, who is five years younger than I am. And all the teammates are kids between the ages of 18 and 22, same for the opposing team, the Burlington Braves, foreign team of Atlanta. All those guys are 18 to 22 years old. And, you know, well, the bottom line of all this is that, and this is why I urge you to go check out this video. Um, I played three games out there, and, all, and there was a great video. It runs about nine minutes that my good friend Warner Fusell put together for uh, this week in baseball. Anyway, it's a lot of fun. What you do is you go to AskCoachWolf.com, find the page for my podcast, and once you're there, just scroll down a bit and you'll see the video about the South Bend White Sox 1989. Uh, it's, it's a great, again, so just go to Ask Coach Wolf, look at the podcast page, scroll down and look for the video about the South Bend White Sox 1989. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks, of course, to Ed Arzuman. Moose is up next. Happy 50th birthday, Title IX, the most important federal law regarding sports ever passed in this country. I'll see you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.